and welcome to this edition of Wait a Week Mystery. I'm your host and author, J.C. Bodden. In this week's podcast, I'll be sharing with you another chapter from my novel, Someone to Watch Over Me. If you like what you hear and can't wait a week for the next installment, Someone to Watch Over Me, as well as the other three books in the Dublin O'Quinn Mystery Series, is available in both Kindle and paperback format from Amazon. So go on over and check out my website, jcbodden.com, for more information and the link to my Amazon page. Now, let's not wait any longer. Here we go with episode 122, Someone to Watch Over Me. That's chapter 22, Banter. Jenny's Story Wednesday morning dawned bright and cold. The dreary weather of the day before was gone. As I lay in bed, I felt better just seeing the sun stream through the crack under the window shade. It had taken a while to fall asleep, but I had managed a night without nightmares. I raised the shade and let the light fall across the bed. The sunshine was cheerful, and I felt better than I had in days. Soon, though, the events of the past week surfaced, and I shivered when the image of my name painted in red on the dorm doors merged with the red blood of Amy Patterson on the sidewalk. Determined to think about something else, I pushed the covers back and climbed out of bed. In the small kitchen, I started a pot of coffee, thumbing through my chemistry notebook while waiting for it to brew. I realized that studying was the ticket. Diving into my books would take my mind off everything else. I poured a bowl of cereal, added a splash of milk, and grabbed my backpack. Seated at the table, I began to eat and study, and before I knew it, an hour had passed, and my coffee was cold. I was dressing after my shower when my room phone rang. Hello? Wake up, sleepyhead, Wagner chirped cheerfully. I was mildly surprised that he was calling. I'll have you know that I've been up for a couple of hours, thank you very much. Really? Hmm, what have you been doing all this time? Studying. What else? Oh, I don't know. What else could a beautiful young woman sitting around in her robe do? In spite of the fact that I was by myself, I blushed. God, Wagner, you're impossible. What are you doing? I just finished eating my breakfast after an all-nighter at your dorm, and I was thinking of you before I went to bed. I pressed my fingers over my mouth to prevent the nervous giggle from escaping. Are you still there? Yes. What's wrong? Nothing. I'm trying to send some signals here, Jenny. Oh? That nervous giggle threatened to escape again. Yeah. Okay. So, are you getting them, or do I have to be more direct? I swallowed, trying to get enough moisture in my throat so I could say something besides one word at a time. Directness works. Two words. Wow. I glanced at my reflection in the mirror and noticed I was twirling a lock of hair. I quickly pulled my hand away and stuffed it in my pocket. Okay, how's this? I want to ask you out. Can I meet you for supper tonight before I come back on duty? Dumbstruck. Now I knew what it meant. I hadn't figured that Wagner was really interested. I couldn't move or speak. Hello? You there? Um, yeah, sorry. Did you hear me? I asked to take you to dinner tonight. But if you're not interested, that's okay. I can take a hint. No, no, that's not, that's not it. I want to go. You just surprised me, that's all. Yeah, let's do it. Do it? 
Something about his tone put me back on firm ground. Supper tonight, you pig. Hey, no fair calling a cop a pig. Oink, oink. Okay, now you're in serious trouble, young lady. I'm picking you up at 5.30 outside the Natural Sciences Building. Be there. Yes, sir. That's the kind of respect I like to hear, that yes, sir thing. I've got to go to bed. I'll be thinking of you. Good night, Wagner. Good night. I hung up the phone and checked myself in the mirror. I was still flushed. Whether from the hot shower or the phone call, I wasn't sure. I resisted the urge to twirl my hair. Joe's Story It was Saturday evening and Joe decided he would check out the movie playing at the art theater on College Avenue. It was a cool night and he had a little extra money in his pocket. He didn't go to the movies very often, partly because of the expense and partly because the dialogue was often confusing and difficult to understand. Tonight, though, he was restless and wanted to get out and do something a little different. After the movie, a mildly amusing horror flick without much plot or dialogue beyond blood-curdling screams, Joe headed back to his apartment. It was cool, and a fog was rolling in off the river. As he walked, his hands shoved in his pockets and eyes on the sidewalk, a man shoved past him, leaving a wake heavy with the stench of whiskey and cigarettes. Joe was transported back to that day, on the stairs of his apartment building, when his mother's killer had passed him. Shaken, Joe looked across the street to his right. On the sidewalk in front of the campus library lay a small figure, someone kneeling over her. In the light from the street lamp, Joe could see the glint of red hair on the ground. With thoughts of Jenny and his slain mother, Joe sprinted forward. When he got to the scene, the kneeling woman whirled and punched him in the gut, knocking the wind out of him. He was shocked to see that this was Jenny, not the redhead bleeding on the ground. Now completely confused, he knew that the woman on the sidewalk needed help, and he stripped his shirt to try to control the bleeding. At the police station, he explained, twice, what had happened. Some of the detective's questions made him nervous, and he couldn't tell if the other man thought that Joe had something to do with the attack. When he was finished, Joe was glad to see Jenny and her father, Devlin O'Quinn, and they walked out to the patrol car together. Once at the dorm, Joe walked Jenny up to the porch. It was only when she told him that he was a mess that he realized the girl's bloodstains were still all over his jeans, his hands, even under his fingernails. Embarrassed, he shoved his hands deep into his pockets. He wanted to tell Jenny so much. How he remembered her at Twin Oaks Farm, the picture he had kept all these years, how frightened he had been when he thought it was her lying on the sidewalk, bleeding. But he couldn't get the words out, so he turned to leave, even though all he wanted to do was stay with her. That was when she touched his arm. His heart melted, and he had even more he wanted to say. But he was even more flustered. Then she invited him to Sunday dinner at Tilly and Mickey's. She leaned up, her hand on his arm yet again, and kissed him on the cheek. Later, when he thought about that night, Every detail was burned in his memory. The movie, the attack, the police station, the ride to the dorm, the conversation on the steps, everything up until that kiss. From that moment on, he remembered nothing. Not walking back to his apartment, not washing up, not going to bed. But he did remember that kiss. That he remembered for a very long time. That concludes this week's chapter of Someone to Watch Over Me. Thanks for listening. 
To find out what happens next, please come back for episode 123 of Wait a Week Mystery or visit jcbodden.com to order the book. Either way, I hope your wait is a happy one.